Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodies, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? Oh, foodies, we got a good one cooking for you today. We've got ratatouille. Ratatouille! It's finally here. Where does it stand on your all-time foodie films list? It's gotta be in the top five, right? I know it's definitely on mine. Chef might just be like a little... Just a little ahead, but this is not just an amazing animated film. This is just an amazing film. So what, the last film we talked was The Grand Budapest Hotel, which is fantastic. I love it. It's an amazing film. But you really just don't get much more foodie than Ratatouille. Did that kind of rhyme? I didn't mean it to. Stellar voice talent an amazing director in Brad Bird. And so I needed to, you know, bring out the, what, what should I say? The big guns. I feel like I should have a food pun or a kitchen pun here. The big, the big knife, the big knives. Well, I've got Brant who you met on a first cut episode and he mentioned Ratatouille on that episode. So I had to have him back on. I wanted to have him back on. And this is just great film plus great guest equals great episode. We enjoyed a couple of beers between us. We we sat the appropriate uh, distance from one another, though, so don't you worry on that. But make sure to check out the breweries we list. And, of course, Departed Souls, where Brant works, because it's a tremendous brewery, and they make such delicious beer. Well, without further ado, here I go talking with Brant, talking about Ratatouille. <laughs> make me go deaf. Well, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Prost. Slancha. All the good stuff. Which one was this again? Oh, this is from Mustache. I put the camera. This over was there. The, the DJ. DJ. Yeah, yeah. Which my friends Christian and Lizzie got for me. Have you been to Mustache? I don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Just home work. I work all that's... the time. Honestly, if Prado wasn't in between my apartment and where I work, I probably wouldn't eat all that much either. <laughs> <laughs> So how how you been since the I mean the last time I saw you was when we recorded last. I've been well. Yeah. You know, it's uh work is coming along. It's always a constantly changing environment. You know, we we have outdoor seating now at the brewery, which is great. 
It's great. Um, it's cool. It looks like a boat. It does. It looks kind of like a pirate ship, yeah. which we like. And then we have the little area right behind that, which we affectionately refer to as the shark cage, <laughs> which uh, we're going to be doing some work on. So uh, you know, we'll see how that comes along. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's good. Any good? Have you have you been to any new restaurants or any any new any good meals since I've last seen you? Uh, good meals. Um, yeah, actually, there's been a few. Uh, I hit up Bolero Snort. Uh, oh for yeah, the first I saw you time. post about that. Yeah, you know, so that was super exciting. Had some uh, some very tasty beer out there. And it's a cool in, setup they got going on. Over it there. is. I think it's great. You know, and sort of like the whole Jurassic Park thing. It's like yeah. I just eat it up. You yeah, know, they're good with they're another like yourselves with like pop culture references and everything like that. That's yeah, they're fun, and yeah. they do they do a lot of really fun stuff. They didn't have their 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 frozen drink oh. machine going when I was there. I was there on a Monday or a Tuesday. Gotcha. That's more of a weekend thing for them. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have tried that, but you know it is what it is. The yeah. beer was good. Um, after that, we went into East. Rutherford, and we went to a kebab place, Ooh. Hot Kebab City. I'm gonna write that down. I think Hot it was kebab called, City. and uh, and we ate outside, and the food was amazing. The serve, I mean, the service was was great, all things considered. Mm. You know that it's masked and gloved, and you're eating on this tiny little table out by the street, but uh, but just just nailed it. It was one of those meals that you start eating and you get full. And yeah. you just keep eating because <laughs> yeah. it's so good, and you know it's not going to be quite as good heated up the next day. Mm-hmm. So I left there and just felt fat. <laughs> it's that <laughs> greasy kebab, but so good. Nothing like, was greasy. It was oh, it wasn't like greasy. Okay. Super well made, and delicious, and everything tasted fresh. Oh, that's great. You know, it was it was it was just a great meal. Do you know what like cuisine style? Like, was it more, or did they just go? Do they? If the I, broad stroke of Mediterranean. If I or, remember correctly, it's Turkish. Okay, yeah, that's usually yeah the I feel like the main stay of kebabs out there. One of the best I've ever had was a donor kebab in uh, Berlin because there's a huge Turkish mm. population there, and my buddy that had been to Berlin before me was like, "That is." I'm like, "I'm gonna go to Germany and have Turkish food," and he's like, "Yeah, like you get like you know." You know, as I feel like you know, maybe as an American, and that was before I had been over to Europe, that you think like, no, I'm going to go to that country and I'm going to have that country's food. Not thinking as being from the land of immigrants that, yeah, duh, there's immigrants elsewhere <laughs> and they make really delicious food there as well. It's funny that you mentioned donor or donair because that's exactly what my friend ordered and it's like I had a taste of it and I'm like oh man you're so lucky that you ordered that ah uh, food envy <laughs> <laughs> which food uh, envy can get I, everything was good don't get me wrong but it was like that that was that was stellar that was yeah. fantastic oh it's so good yeah I'm trying to think if I've well I've since I recently went uh, back to Broa oh nice yeah I was a little heartbroken, though. I mean, we got there, Daniel and I got there late, around like 8-ish or whatever. You know, they're doing, as everyone is, the outdoor seating. But they have this beautiful backyard that they're not using right now, so I'm a little confused by that. But maybe they don't want people walking through. And I guess since the city is allowing them, they closed off half of Grove Street. 
Yeah, it's funny that they don't utilize that space, space though, because they're yeah. allowed to have people pass through their restaurant to get to an outdoor space yeah. and also to use the restroom. Yeah. So. It's, yeah, it's a great backyard. But we're, so we were out front on, uh, you know, on, on Grove and they've got the chalkboard even inside. I mean, have you been there before? I haven't eaten there, but I've been by it. So they, I, um, I know the layout. Yeah, but they have, so it, it's a little annoying especially when you're down there because, you know, it's like a basement and it's dark, but they have just like two chalkboards, one on each side of the room and that's the menu. And so it's a little like tough to see. So they're like, take a picture. And then they did the same thing with outside. There's one chalkboard, take a picture, take a look at that. I mean, that wasn't as bad being outside. Uh, but it was awesome because since it is that basement, they have that little area by the stairs. They've got this guy grilling right outside so i'm just smelling everything and i'm just like oh, this is gonna be so good and when we're walking up to it i see him grilling sardines and danielle and i had been to uh, portugal and northern spain like this time last year and i was like oh i'm so in the mood for sardines and i look at the menu and i see some stuff is like the chalk is you know been erased or whatever and i don't see sardines i'm like all right well there's you know i still want to like eat here and i say to the waiter i'm like do you guys have sardines? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, yes. Like, I was so <laughs> excited. And he's like, oh, well, actually, let, no, let me check. <laughs> and he goes over. My back was to him. Like, as we're sitting right now, and Danielle's where you're sitting. And she said, like, he turned, went to the grill, like, looked at the guy. The guy went like this. And he turned around and looked like he had to tell me that a family member of mine died. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Yeah, not to he he was not thrilled to tell me, and I was not thrilled to hear that there were no sardines. But we had this one of the best roasted octopus dishes I've ever had. Had a really nice uh, salad, really nice salad there. That was uh, strawberries and uh, oh, why am I blanking right now? I feel bad. It's really nice, but I can't remember it. Uh, <laughs> and then this chicken and sausage dish, and then this other squid dish, and it was just really really good. And then, that I love amazing. I love I love Portuguese food, so that was that that was a good recent meal. But I got takeout from uh, Noches de Colombia last night. Ooh, how was that? Delicious. Yeah, it was great. It's like yeah. I've always had such a soft spot for the for that that place. So I'm excited. You <laughs> live very close to me now, so we're gonna. Yeah, if I was more athletic, I could throw a ball and hit my apartment. <laughs> the worst thing <laughs> but uh yeah i feel like we're gonna we'll explore some places up here together we yeah gotta, i'm looking forward to it yeah we gotta get some pizza at uh renato's that's okay the, that's right over here that's that big slice that they got going on yeah i did uh lo-fi the day that we the uh, detroit day. style yeah did you like it i did it was good yeah i celebrate all forms of pizza even that <laughs> pizza casserole that they make in chicago <laughs> pizza casserole <laughs> Yeah, there was uh, an episode of Somebody Feed Phil that he goes to Chicago and he went to Pequod's and that's where I went and I was like, oh man, like that was that was good. And they just like the present the the way that they carry it out mm-hmm. there and everything and the because they do theirs in the uh, cast iron pan. Yep, and it's just like holding it with the tongs and it's just crazy it's like half the pageantry of it too sure of course but yeah pizza casserole so good <laughs> but, but i still feel like if you can't pick up a slice of it it's not really pizza like i think i attempted didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't go to, i waited i waited until the pan cooled down how bad were the burns from the cheese <laughs> it was it got yeah 
I had to get a skin graft, and <laughs> but I just put cheese instead of skin, so it makes sense. <laughs> Pizza the Hut. <laughs> I just watched Spaceballs the other day. So I was did very, I. Yeah, I was. I was pretty hungover, and I just put on Spaceballs. It was a good. It was a good cure all. That's great. It's such a good movie. Covered recently. Uh, have you ever seen Fatso? I haven't with, seen with Dom, Fatso. With Dom DeLuise, yeah. I covered that recently. I saw that. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's, uh, it's a it's a good movie. It's a little you know, I mean not not dated in like a bad way how everyone says like, Oh, it's a little dated now or whatever, but it's it's interesting. It was the only feature film ever directed by Anne Bancroft and you know, she's really good really close friends with Dom DeLuise. And so it's kind of it doesn't know exactly what its tone is. So when the silly is silly, it's really good. And when the dramatic is, like, dramatic, it's very good. But it just, it's a little off because it's got a blend of both. But it's not, like, necessarily, like, it just jumps from one to the other pretty quickly. So, but it's a a good movie. Definitely, definitely recommend it. I'll have to check it out. Well, talking movies, I'm excited to talk this movie. And this is something I'm excited that I'm going to start doing uh, more of, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you were my first guest that I had on for a First Cut episode. I was like, I want to talk a movie with you. And, you know, it's, it's a little, I, I knew you before having you on for a First Cut episode, but a lot, a lot of times guests I have for that, I'm meeting them for the first time. And I just don't know exactly if they're just coming on, you know, to be on the podcast or like if a little bit of like a friendship will strike from it or we'll ha- have a good conversation. Sure. And in every conversation I've had, I've enjoyed, but I can tell, like, they want to, they're better at just sharing their story versus they just might not be into movies as much. But you specifically brought up Ratatouille on the first cut episode. I love so it. This is, this is a big one. This is big when it comes to movies for foodie films. It's all food. The whole thing. It's good. So it's like the cartoon equivalent to Chef, basically. Yeah. You know, you've got layers of love stories around it, you know, but it's it's ultimately about the food. About the, yeah, about the food. Just so much passion and yep. love. Uh, this movie is, I, I remember I saw it in theaters and... I felt like I'd never seen a movie like it before. At least, especially in... In animated sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I mean, Pixar, even when Pixar first started coming out with their feature films, you know, Toy Story being the first, they just, and this this was the first film, Pixar movie, that was made after it was fully bought out, like acquired by Disney. Because, okay. you know, they were always, I guess, Disney produced them, but Pixar was its own yeah, it was like they were flirting, but they weren't quite married. <laughs> exactly. Now they are married, and this is their first child together. And this child I didn't know is, that. This is the I love movies, but I'm bad at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it about this movie for you? Um, it falls into the whole the whole thing with Chef. Yeah, you know, it just pulls at heartstrings. So it's like the relationship with uh, Favreau's character and his son in Chef. The relationship between, you know. Remy and his family and Linguini and Colette, like mm-hmm. like all of those relationships. And, uh, you know, ultimately it's, it ties into something that I always say about food and, and about drink. It's like, if you can pull at heartstrings, if you can pull nostalgia, you'll win every time. You know, it's like you, you can't beat that. 
And you know, that's the whole thing about Ratatouille in this movie. Yeah. You brought up on the first cut episode the scene towards the end with, um, oh boy, Ego. Mm-hmm. And that shot of him tasting the ratatouille. And that, going right back to his childhood. And just that pure nostalgia yep. and love and everything that comes with a dish that, while this was a fancier version of this, I mean, what I think even then Skinner says, or no, no, I think even Colette says, and then the sous chef says, like, it's, it's a peasant's dish. Right, which is hilarious, because that's how most of French cuisine is. Yeah. Like, it's really high-end technique. But a lot of it was out of necessity for, for poor people food, for peasant food. Mm. You know? And so we see Ego as a child and like it looks like he just maybe fell off his bike or whatever. And he's mm-hmm. in his doorway and then his mom is comforting him and just puts the bowl of the more traditional ratatouille that it's all chopped up and just served in, like a, yeah. bo- in a bowl. Yeah, it's and, almost a stew because that's yeah. the easy way to do it. Yeah, just let it. It's like the French red beans and rice. Mm-hmm. You know, which I made some red beans and rice last night. I love that's, I did it right. It was on a Monday, which is what they do in New Orleans. I might not be there right now, but I'm trying to just in spirit. That's awesome. <laughs> and what's really funny about, not to, to, to totally digress instantaneously, but what's really funny about Ratatouille, which I'd never really picked up on before, it has that sort of mob mentality. Like we talked about Godfather briefly yeah. on the last podcast. And it's like you're actively rooting for the bad guys all throughout. And that's every mob movie that's ever been made. And Ferris Bueller. (laughs) Yes. Perfect. But it's like you're constantly rooting for Remy and the rats. Yeah. You know, and it's like ultimately they save the day. But if you frame it in the same sort of, of light and perspective, it's like they're the bad guys. You know, they're the monsters in this movie. Yeah, they're the they're the yeah, the the thing with them in which like the the not even ghost of Gusto, but just the imaginary floating mm-hmm. figment of Remy's imagination. And then even as uh, Linguini says to him, like, we don't steal. And so, yeah, these guys are... But I love I love even when Remy then saying to his dad, like, we're thieves and we're stealing the things that they don't even want, so why would we want them? And right. <laughs> but yeah, there is a few moments. I mean, that I wrote down a few like key things I love about this movie, and one of them is... That they made a movie, and yes, Disney, yes, Pixar makes movies that have animals as their lead, but they made a movie that has rats as their right. as, as the lead characters. And there are a few moments, and I read a few things like Brad Bird like didn't want to like not show it, and I even talking this movie with friends before. When you see the horde of rats, you're like, you get a little squeamish. And reasonably so. And when the health inspector gets overrun by the rats, <laughs> so like, scary. it's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. You start getting into... Uh, if oh, you've ever worked in a restaurant where there's been a rat. <laughs> yeah. Then you start getting into like Willard and Ben territories and mm-hmm. just rats, killer rats. <laughs> yeah, the way they... And then they carry him in, they carry Skinner in. And then just like that big rat that's punching the meat. It's like, yeah, I don't want to run into those rats. Never. But that Disney, that Pixar went like, yes, okay, rats. And so so this is based on, this is from a children's book. And Brad Bird changed a few things story-wise. Like I think uh, Gusto had a bigger role. Like he wasn't, he wasn't dead. Mm. And that, so then he made uh, Colette and Skinner have bigger roles in the movie. 
but just the look which makes sense because it's just going to be that much more like which another one of my favorite things is how well designed and detailed this world is right and a big part is even just like i i love this was this was like i think at the key still the key time of like I think people still really appreciated special features on DVDs. And I mean, I bought this on Blu-ray by the time it came out because this movie came out in 2007. So that was like right around when I got my first Blu-ray player. And I was watching some of the special features this morning and it's going into, like I remember watching it for Monsters, Inc. And for even, uh, not that it's Pixar, but Shrek when it came out and how big of a deal it was to show the detail and hair. And with these rats, I mean, with these characters, mm-hmm. or even the fact that he's controlling Linguini with his hair, and just the detail that goes into that, and then when they get wet, and what everything was it? Like uh, that. Tangled. Yeah. I remember, I'm late to this movie, uh-huh. you know, because my daughter, my daughter was born in, in 2006. Um, so, this had been out for a long time before I'd ever seen it. And okay. It's like, I remember hearing about Tangled. And like all the programs that they had to write for just the hair. Yeah, rendering that hair. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me in this movie, it was the scene where Remy is learning how to control Linguini. Mm-hmm. And what first struck me was the knife. The knife is gorgeous. Yeah. It's like that old sort of weathered handle, that perfectly clean blade. You can tell that it's sharp, just like the way it's glistening. And then, like, the actual cutting. And it's like, as some, like, and I, I get this feeling when I watch somebody who doesn't necessarily know how to, to cut with, with a knife, mm-hmm. like you do in a kitchen. And it's like, fingers aren't curled. And it's like, <laughs> sort of like, you're on edge watching this. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I had that exact same feeling about that scene. Oh, it's so good. Because, yeah, the build up to that, the little things that he's doing along the way and right. breaking the. And then all of a sudden he grabs the knife and just. It's like you can't get pasta in a pot, and here comes the knife. The, <laughs> the big chef knife, yeah. <laughs> Which then makes me think of Chef when he's explaining to his son, this is a big deal. Like, this is a yeah. dangerous, you know, take pride in yeah. it, always keep it sharp. This you will know, hurt this, you. This is your tool. This is, yeah. Everything I have is because of this. Just even the to go into details, like seeing the if if you look at the forearms, they have burns like on mm-hmm. them from being you know like over you know like in, in cooking, like all the different chefs and the staff of the kitchen. Sure. Uh, or even I mean, this is I mean everything is a conscious choice. But then I love when we later when ego is in his like office or whatever, and he finds out that Gustos is doing well again, and. It's an above shot. I mean, just even... It's always weird for me, um, an animated movie, or I remember... You remember that movie Life of Pi that came out? It was like the... It's about uh, a shipwreck and the Indian, like, young man is, like, on a boat with, with animals. A yeah, with a tiger and everything like that. I never saw it. I've seen parts of it, and it was... It, it was all right. But I remember that one best... I'm pretty sure it was Ang Lee and it won Best Cinematography. It was definitely nominated. And I just, I, I thought like, well, if you're truly in control and just CG, you know, CGI everything, like, does that, like, is that the same? Like, cinematography, like, that was like you were winning for the meeting of camera and lighting. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's much more, like, if you can, pure, if you can control everything, is that the same as, like, lighting a room? 
you know, like if you're just like on a real set or whatever. But so I always struggle with that. But then watching a movie like this, I'm like, you know what? There is like clearly an artistry to it. Sure. And seeing how like the, you are still storyboarding and you are choosing every single shot. And the, so the shot with Ego in his office, and I love the room, is the shape of a coffin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like little things like that. So like those are like the details that I love about this movie. Sure. And it's like when you're actually using lighting and there's actors and everything else, it's like... You're trying to to recreate something that isn't necessarily there. Mm-hmm. You're doing the exact same thing, you know. In in, in this, it's yeah. like it definitely isn't there because this is all CGI and artist rendering and everything else. But you still have to make it believable. Yeah, you know, it's like suspension of disbelief will only get you so far. You know, if it doesn't look or feel real, you're going to fall out of it. And it's like for me, it's everything about this movie felt. As real as it possibly can, given that there are, are there's a rat controlling a human being. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, there is obviously the suspension of disbelief right. in, the, in that sense. And but it's like if they failed on any of those other aspects, yeah, I feel like the whole thing would start to fall apart. Yeah, watching the special features, I'm seeing. You know, you're reminded. Obviously, if anyone ever sticks around for any movie credits, and you see how many people are working on a movie, especially an animated movie. Mm-hmm. And the special features reminded me of just how specific, you know, people, there are teams for each character. Yeah. And there was, you know, one guy that was really trying to, with with Linguini, with his getting his actions down. Like his much more of like physical body and how he moves. And so he was recording himself in the same, like the first time he brings... Uh, Remy to his apartment he's walking in with his bike and just how awkward you know he's just an awkward character in general but this animator filmed himself to see you know coming through a doorway in a tight spot and seeing how his body would you know react and like little things that you're not realizing in the moment what you're doing but when you view it you're like oh my elbow's up like that and this is what I was contorting you know my body to do to get this bike in the doorway and it's just like the level of commitment There's, there's another great special feature that they kind of do a side by side so the um the food specialist on this movie is or the consultant i should say was is uh thomas keller and so they went to the french uh you know french laundry and had meals there and the animators that totally makes sense now there you go <laughs> like he makes all of his chefs clean their own pots and pans yeah and there's that one scene in this movie where colette is explaining the hierarchy of the kitchen but yeah. also keeping your station clean you know, I love that scene, so I kind of I want to I want to play that right now, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What are you doing? Uh, uh, I'm cutting vegetables. I'm cutting the vegetables. No, you waste energy and time. You think cooking is a cute job, eh? Like mommy in the kitchen. Well, mommy never had to face the dinner rush when the orders come flooding in and every dish is different and none are simple and all of the different cooking times but must arrive on the customer's table at exactly the same time. Hot and perfect. Every second counts, and you cannot be mommy. What is this? Keep your station clear. Mirrors come. What will happen? Messy station slow kicks down. Food doesn't go. Orders pile up. Disaster. I'll make this easy to remember. Keep your station clear, or I will kill you. Ugh, your sleeves look like you threw up on them. Keep your hands and arms in, close to the body, like this. See? Always return to this position. Cooks move fast. Sharp utensils, hard metal. Keep your arms in. You will minimize cuts and burns and keep your sleeves clean. Mark of a chef. Messy apron, clean sleeves. I know the Gusto style code. 
In every dish, Chef Gusto always has something unexpected. I will show you. I memorize all these recipes. Always do something unexpected. No, follow the recipe. But you just said. No, 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 no. It was his job to be unexpected. It is our job to follow, follow the recipe. recipe. How do you tell a good bread is without tasting it? Not the smell, not the look, but the sound, the crust. Listen. Oh, a symphony of crackle. Only great bread sound this way. Keep your station clean. Yeah. It's that level of just like that, and then her saying, you know, the, the messy elbows, clean sleeves. Mm-hmm. The, I, the introduction to each when Remy is uh, looking above to you know the kitchen with Gusto and he's learning each you know he's like pointing out like that's the head chef that's the sous chef and then even you know he's like oh and that's just the the dishwasher the garbage boy like he's not important and Gusto's like no 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 you know like this everyone is important which is he's so you know what let's the the cast in this movie Gusto voiced by Brad Garrett perfect so good that's so, like something so like it's it's great because you watch some animated movies and you're just like this is that actor and they're doing their they're brought on specifically for their you know their voice which is a little bit what Pat Oswald was for Remy but Pat Oswald wasn't as big at that point as he is now or as well known the first time I saw this movie I had no idea it was Pat Oswald mm-hmm. And it's like, I went back and I watched this a few times in preparation for this. Yeah. And it's like, I finished watching this today, five minutes before I walked here. Um, <laughs> yeah, that work thing occasionally gets in the way. But uh, but now it's sort of like, it, it's just perfect. Yeah. You know, it's like... Yeah, supposedly uh, director Brad Bird saw Patton Oswalt stand up specifically about Black Angus Steakhouse and just like I mean Patton Oswald is known to be just like just like a nerd about a lot of things mm-hmm. from Star Wars to food and that one specific stand up and he did a uh, a drawing of Remy doing Patton's stand up and showed it to Disney and Disney was just like well, he's not going to be like cursing like them in the movie. He's like, no, I'm just showing you that the voice works with the, <laughs> the mannerisms and the look of the rat. Right. Because like, I want this guy to be the lead voice. But yeah, Brad Garrett, Patton Oswald, uh, Colette is Janine Garofalo, uh, Horst, that's the sous chef, the guy that was like in jail, that's Will Arnett. Like, you don't know, right. like, that, you know, that, the like... The thumb thing? Yeah, the thumb thing, yeah, Killed exactly. somebody with a thumb. With I love the thumb. fact that his story changes every time. Every time, yeah, he's the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> but that all comes back to Colette explaining the kitchen to, to Linguini again. She says, uh, what is it, Artisan's Pyrus Cooks, you're one of us now. Which yeah. reminds me of Anthony Bourdain in Kitchen Confidential. You know, just discussing, you know, how all these people, all these various people throughout society that can't find work or anything else anywhere else, they come together in the kitchen and it works. Yeah, I took a screenshot. This is Bourdain's, was Bourdain's favorite food-centric movie. He said, they got the food, the reactions to food, and tiny details to food really right down to the barely noticeable pink burns on one of the character's forearms. Mm -hmm. I really thought it captured a passionate love of food in a way that very few other films have. Yeah. Which is, I mean, and coming from Bourdain, that's a big deal. A guy that was in 
involved in every facet of food I feel like and yeah that, that I mean that scene is just perfect her you know that's that is kitchen culture at its finest and just yep. tr- you know there's a reason you have things called like you know saying trial by fire if you can't stand the heat get out of the kitchen mm-hmm. because that is and then even Colette as a character her saying like do you see any other women in the kitchen no you know right. how I got here hard work like you know this is a competitive and like very driven by you know male industry for a long time and you know but she sees that Linguini is like she at the end of all that she says like thank you for listening and thank you for like taking you know my advice right which I think was probably a big thing that she had never uh, experienced before uh, some of the other characters are voiced Skinner is voiced by the late Ian Holm uh, the um, dad rat which I think his name is actually Django is voiced by the late Brian Dennehy all these guys uh, both of them passed away recently and then Ego voiced by the just so perfectly by Peter O'Toole it's, it's so amazing the, just so menacing and you're just like ooh and this is like the real you're like oh Skinner is you know bad but like then ooh Ego is gonna be like the main villain but then you right. realize like no he just loves this world so much he doesn't want to see the corruption happening of like Oh, you keep getting a star, you keep getting a star, and you're getting lazy. Or especially when uh, Skinner takes it over and we see Gusto in, uh, you know, selling burritos and Gusto selling chicken. And, and barbecue. And barbecue. And everything else. Yeah. And then the and corn then your dogs. famous corn dogs. Yeah, and your favorite like, food. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> selling corn dogs as a dog. Like, <laughs> I still hate corn dogs. That's... <laughs> It's like this movie is so good for for those reasons. Um, what did I? Oh, I just want to read one thing that I I, I love. I, I watched his Patton Oswalt's stand up bit about Black Angus Steakhouse, or just like when he's on the road and traveling and eating meat, and he's just like, I love steak so much because I hate hippies so much. <laughs> it's like every time you eat a steak, a hippie's hacky sack goes down a sewer drain. <laughs> So just, I would love to see what Brad Bird animated to that. I would love to see Remy the Rat saying all those things. I feel like you could just as easily swap out hippie with vegan. <laughs> and I'm not trying to upset vegans anywhere. No, it's no, like, no. it's your lifestyle, it's your mouth, whatever you want to put in it. Like, by all means. Like. Yeah. The themes of this movie, I mean, again, Pixar just right away was going above and beyond with what Disney or other animated movies were doing. And like, then you look at, I think the movie that came out after this was Wally and what that covers or just even past ones with like finding Nemo and monsters Inc. But this one, I mean, just some of the themes that I was trying to write down and pay attention to is just the, you know, family obligation versus ambition. Sure. That's the whole gangster thing that I was talking about earlier. And the fact that, like, rats, you know, it's, it's a colony. Yep. You know? And just that loyalty that he has to... I mean, when we meet Remy, I love Remy's dis- discovery of food. And that when he when he makes these discoveries of what is the... A, I think a strawberry and a piece of cheese or something like that. And eating them separately and then eating them t- together. But the fact that 
then the colony puts him his dad is just like oh okay you do have a skill but he does it in the most like bland practical sense that he's like you're our poison you know food taste right exactly and also it's like (laughs) remy is progressive you know at the end of the day you know it's like his at one point in the movie his dad says where are you going and his remy's response is with luck forward yeah and just the fact that he remy had this other dream that he wanted to chase this other dream that he wants to chase, and then at the same time, I mean, his dad takes him to that uh, the horror the, show. With the all horror, the dead exactly. Rats. All the, who hangs are those? Are those going to be stuffed? Are those fake rats? Are those real rats that are hanging in the window? I don't. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of that. questions, but <laughs> like, there's also a lot of questions you don't want answered. That's true. Um, but so it's, yeah, so it's coming of age. Exactly. Yeah, coming of age, and then but yeah, that like that level of independence and acceptance mm-hmm. and. Saying that, you know, like, but if we keep thinking that these pe- that people, these the humans, that we are going to have a relationship like this, then that's all it will ever be. But, like, he, he's taking that leap of faith. And he, at that point, he did see it already with Linguini. Mm-hmm. But obviously, clearly, like, nobody else. Linguini just, he's definitely, he has his own backstory. We find out the mystery that he is the, you know, right. the long lost son of gusto who thought you know and the will is about to exp- it was a two year will that like if no one was found an heir yeah and there's little hints here and there it's like he needs this job yeah you know it's like he hasn't been successful in anything else yeah exactly and so yeah the mom is writing to skinner saying just give him a job she isn't even in the note saying like my son deserves the you know the gusto uh you know empire or whatever mm-hmm. she just wants him to be taken care of but yeah i guess linguini is just such a innocent individual that he looks at this rat and you know when he's told to go kill remy he's like well, stop looking at me like that and won't throw him into the water and then remy sees that you know he scurries off at first but then comes back and they right. just start this unlikely friendship sure and it's uh it's like that awkwardness that exists and it comes up again when uh, Linguini is trying to come clean with Colette, mm-hmm. you know, and also that's where he profess, uh, professes his love for her, but also couldn't quite come clean about you know the whole Remy thing. It's it's a great awkward scene. It's yeah, yeah. He tries to because like, I love you, the things and the way that you he, he like trails off. You know, it's like <laughs> or just pointing to like I have you know like. A little shot, or you know, a little, <laughs> a little shot, shot. T- t- talking to me here. She's like in your brain, like no, and like you know, it's not until, and then even once he's doing well and his specials are in high demand, and Remy brings him the will, and they find, and then so Skinner has to leave. That's when he starts getting a little bit of his, you know, like his ego coming right. into play, and and Remy too. I mean, Remy, you know, it's one of those. It reminds me of like the screenwriters in the fifties that have, would have to take pseudonyms because they were on the uh, the list of you know McCarthy. You know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And not getting the recognition that they deserved, and I'm sure, and you know, rightfully, I mean, you had like writers back then, like Dalton Trumbo, that would win an Academy Award, but no one, you know, if you weren't in the industry, you had no idea. There was always like rum, you know rumblings of like who wrote who actually wrote the screenplay but this like who would ever believe or want a rat to be a chef of their meal yeah do you have a favorite scene 
or any like besides the ones we've talked about so far? I think we touched on most of them. I mean, like the story arc of Remy and Remy being the progressive mm-hmm. through the end where ego ultimately becomes the progressive. You know, it's like so ego is this is like very like set in his way. It's like yeah, this is how I feel about food and everything else. And then at the end, it's like you know he totally changes. You know, and he talks about what critics actually are and like how important the people who actually make the food. You know, re- they, how they are the actual important piece of it. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, it's the 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 wrap up. You know, yeah. it's the end of the feel good. But it's like it's important. It's incredibly important to this movie. Like without it, he's it's sort of lost. You know, it's just like oh okay, well everything is ends happily. You know, but it's like it, it's I don't know that that scene. You know, ego's criticism of the critics is yes what makes it for me. Because if you've ever worked in any any line of work where you create something, criticism is hard. It's really tough to take sometimes, mm-hmm. and you know reviews are tough to take, but you you sort of have to roll with it and keep doing what is important to you, and eventually you'll have that experience. I I love when he sits down for the meal to review and he's just, he says to the waiter like I'm craving a little perspective, and the, the waiter's just so like what <laughs> like what would you and he's just like you provide the food. Then I'll provide the perspective. And that's just like the role to go, because they are just two of the best foodie films. They both do such a good job of showing that dynamic of the food and the critic, which is the same in, in Chef. Mm-hmm. And you get the food and the critic. I always loved what once I learned that Oliver Platt, his brother, is a food critic. And I think for, it's either the New York Times or like the New Yorker. And so, but he was like just talking to him and picking his brain when he was playing the role in uh, in Chef. But just yeah, they just do such a good job of showing yeah that like the creators and it almost falls into a role of like those who can't teach, but at the same time, but definitely in a good critic, it's still for them. It's about that passion, that love, and they don't want to see people getting like lost in their own you know like ugly monster creation or or what even like the public is kind of rolling them into right know? yeah and uh just i mean the, in his review at the end saying not anyone can become a great artist but a great artist can come from anywhere i mean that goes perfectly that's a perfect wrap up line to the overall message, which uh, what was Gusto say? Anyone can cook. That's right. like his big. You know, he's he's the. Um, oh God, why am I totally blanking on her name right now? Famous Julia, Julia Child. Child. Yeah, he's the French like you know he's the Julia Child of the of this world and really like I mean it's we get the little that's how the movie begins with like seeing him on the the TV and then we just get him as this imaginary figure but I just love he's just brought to so much life by Brad Garrett see I I go a completely different direction I don't think Julie Child I go old school PBS cooking shows okay and I think Yan can cook (laughs) if Yan can cook so can you that's yeah (laughs) that's a good that's that's definitely a good one that's uh, because back in the day, it was Julia Child, that dude that did 
the the Yan Can Cook mm-hmm. show, which was crazy because it's like when I was a kid, it was like, hey, there's somebody cooking Asian food on yeah. TV. That's crazy. And then it was the Cajun chef, the Cajun cook. You remember that old guy? Yeah. I mean, definitely via, like, I feel like reruns and stuff like that. Yeah. But, like, that's, yeah. I feel like I should cover some of those episodes, maybe. <laughs> or, like, cover, like, talk about Julia Child and Yankin Cook and the, and the Cajun, you know, Cajun Cook, Cajun Chef, and do episodes on maybe just about about the show. Like, I always, like, I want to talk Parts Unknown, but it's not like I'm going to do every episode. But right. I could do a special episode about Parts Unknown. You know, sure. That would be. That would be a lot of fun, though. That would be a lot of fun. Talk about those guys? Yeah. Because that's, yeah, and, and back then, like you were saying, like to see a guy cooking Asian food. In the early 80s. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, people have to like think at that point, like that's not too long after even like, you know, Vietnam ended. And mm-hmm. just like to have that representation on, uh, which is also a big part of what this movie is also like as far as themes is representation. Yeah. Of, you know, of this, of these individuals. It's just about... They just nail passion so well. I love the way that the background disappears when he's biting in to those those foods, and then the and then just even I, I have such a similar reaction, or I, or uh, or just try to do the same what he's doing with his brother Emil. Right when he's trying to describe something, yeah, to describe him, something, and there's so much passion in what he's talking about, and it just sort of fizzles on the other end. Exactly, it's yeah. like you definitely had that moment. Yeah, like don't scarf that. Di- no, take a little bite. Right, right. Take your take, time. Yeah, take your time, and just like tell me what you're thinking right now. And that doesn't mean that like it's just it's something that you know you, you see his passion, his love, and then I'll have passion for in a dish that I love, and I'm just like. I mean, it's the same as recommending a movie to somebody. Sure, like, I would. That's and that's why I like having conversations like this because with someone else that enjoys it because it's like, yeah, okay. Like, I mean, it's easy because this is a fantastic movie, but it's like you know, like maybe it's a little harder when you get more into like a a, a genre film, like if you love like a really good action movie or something like that. Like, not everyone's gonna love a like a John Wick or something like that. But I feel like this is an overall, you know, it's a movie. It's a kids movie. It's rated G, mm-hmm. but it ends up being just one of the best movies about uh, you know a, a career about what adults do that have just absolutely nothing but like love and affection for it, and it does so in an animated G kids film. That's just so you know. Right. That's so impressive. It is, and there's a lot of topics that aren't covered. You know, it's like. It doesn't cover the fact that people that work in kitchens are woefully underpaid. Mm-hmm. And it's... And, and they, they talk about it a little bit where it's like anybody cook anybody can cook, but they can't necessarily be an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, so that goes into it. But, uh, but also, like, if you were talking about that in a kid's movie, it wouldn't be a very good kid's movie. <laughs> it would be a great documentary. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, exactly. Like when it comes to, I mean, when, I mean, plenty of things in life. Like, but especially a kitchen. And when he is going through and is saying that person's that, that person's that. Like, there are certain people that they know they're good at that, so that's what they're going to stick to. Yep. Versus, then other people are the dreamers and even more ambitious and will try to create that plate that they just don't know if it's necessarily going to work. Mm-hmm. 
um, or just even seeing Thomas Keller. And so he, like that, the ratatouille dish that we get at the end, that more modern version, he did, he, he came up with that layout at, you know, like when he was talking to them about the movie and that's what the, you know, the main, the, I mean, the title of the movie is, which what a great title it is. You almost have to think like it's, uh, is, is it a moment that someone heard that dish like this original uh, kids book author, like she, you know, like if she heard this uh, this dish name and went like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if like a rat made ratatouille? <laughs> <laughs> but Thomas Keller taking that dish and making it this more, you know, grandiose pageantry of it of the thinly sliced vegetables and layering them the way he does. Well, what's funny about that is that you you get the same flavors. Like mm-hmm. when it's done correctly, and it's like I've made that dish both ways. Oh, really? That I'm actually scrolling through the picture, through all these old pictures that I have, <laughs> and it's delicious. But that presentation, and also I'm very curious about the sauce that they put on it at the very end. Yeah, because it's like that dish. It's like the base is is basically a tomato sauce, right? Mm-hmm. But the sauce that they put on that plate is not a tomato sauce. At no. the end, it's something different. It I would looks, love. It's golden. Yeah, color, I was going to say it was like a, like a golden, low, a little greenish, but like gold, more yeah, golden. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder what that was supposed to. I feel like uh, I'm sure if I looked up like Thomas Keller's ratatouille. Or I mean, if you go like, back earlier in the movie, it's probably something involving saffron because they talk. About oh it. yeah. Ooh, you're gonna have to send me that, and I'll post it when we're yeah, doing, po- doing uh, when I'm posting about this episode. And it's nice, this. and that's what it looked like cooked. Oh, nice! Oh, I love the I love the crust and the brown edges and everything like that. That's just so good. It's super fun. It's a lot of cutting, and it's like I didn't use a mandolin slicer. I was gonna say because yeah, I have you, a, yeah. I took the tip of my finger off when I was a kid with a mandolin slicer. So I, <laughs> mandolin slicers scare me so much. It's so evil. So it's like much. I remember working in a kitchen when you had to clean like the meat slicer. Everybody out. It's like <laughs> no one else is gonna die on this hill. I I you know like I uh, I'll still work random days at the at the deli that's in my hometown but that's you know that was my job in high school and then even during college over the summers and i luckily it has the most like intense image on it of just like a thumb halfway off and blood squirting (laughs) out and i remember like when they they and like right when i started working in there they like got like this it was a new slicer at the time or whatever and I was like, oh, that's intense. I remember, like, I, I started working there when I was 16, and they didn't allow me to use it until I was 18. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, like, that's really good. But luck, luckily enough, I've never... And I get I get in there, like, you know, I make sure it's closed and it's locked, but I get in there with, like, the sponge in the back. Yeah, you I'm have sure, to. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> exactly. But, like, I look at that image, and I'm like, I am lucky I've never... I've cut myself there, but more on... Uh, on knives and uh, just like stuff like that, but not 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 the slicer because the slicer would be. Oh yeah, I remember it so clearly. So we always had during the summer. My growing up, my grandfather had this big garden, and on the last pod- podcast mm-hmm. that I mentioned it, and we always had cucumbers, and it was like cucumbers in like sour cream and vinegar, or maybe it was mayonnaise. I don't remember, but it was a super simple dish. But I, re- I remember helping my grandmother make it. I'm using her mandolin slicer you know, without a guard like like you do. And, uh, yeah, I remember that. Just, like, 
so fast, like taking the tip of my finger off. And I actually I was even just the other day. What was I cooking? I guess I was cooking bacon, and I got like you know like a burn mark over there. I'm just like, and then I started. I, I was just like, it made me go down memory lane. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, there's that burn mark right there. There's mm-hmm. that little. This was I was cleaning the uh, the griddle at the deli, and we used this like you know like cleaner on it that I was scraping, and it's like a Brillo pad, and then like a uh, like a little a mesh thing to really get in there. It's like and, a mesh screen. Yeah, mesh screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got, and I guess it was, that was older. The the thing in between was pretty old. So it lost its grip and I just go, and it slides off and my finger goes against this cleaning product. Oh, see what I used on to the do hot griddle. is, uh, yeah, I would use that mesh screen and I would, I would take like a damp rag and uh, put it over that and then grab that damp rag with tongs. And then just push back and forth. Yeah, I was just using kind of like we. Usually, it, it had it had it's it's like almost like what you'd press meat with, but it definitely has a bit more grooves to it that you are supposed to use it for that. But I definitely was. You should be pressing more down and just kind of. Mm-hmm. I was I was probably just going too fast and having it on an angle, and the and the pad was worn down. So then I just like it slid off, and so like it's better now. But like right away, it was just like whoop skin off. Just oh yeah, of so fast. Was. Yeah. That was probably the worst, because that was a really bad burn, and it happened to kind of like both fingers. Oh, reaching underneath a broiler broiler to grab like a crock of French onion soup. (laughs) And just like getting stuck. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that this movie, I guess there's no, there's no, there's the burn marks and everything like that. There's no, I guess you're not going to put that in a kid's film. That was, I guess that would also be one thing missing from Chef 2, like a violent kind of no one hurts themselves or anything like that. But it's true. I feel like someone, like a, in a restaurant, not bad things, but like definitely, you know, I mean, burn marks and stuff like that has to happen. Just I was really lucky in the time that like I, I worked in a kitchen and I've helped out around kitchens. Like I never saw anything really bad. That's good. Everybody has a story. You know, you have yeah. like the owner has a story of somebody like taking his finger off with it, taking their <laughs> finger off with a knife. And, like, I always sort of thought, like, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, that should never happen. Will you cut yourself? Sure. But you shouldn't yeah. lose a finger. No, yeah. Those are, those are some horror stories. Cautionary tales. Yeah, cautionary tales. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, one of the favorite, there was one other guy who was, uh, you know, like, the deli in my town. It was a local uh, mailman would, took a job there, like, at least for, like, over the weekends to help or whatever. And he was my mailman growing up, and so he's just like I mean, like pretty much like an uncle of mine. We used to close when I was younger, and I I wasn't like I didn't have a key to close up, but like I was cleaning everything and stocking and all that. And uh, one time he went to the back, and they had this big, like probably like ten gallon container filled with uh, like flour or whatever, and it was on top of a. a a refrigerator or a freezer in the back and he opened up the door and I guess it was leaning over a little bit and it fell off and hit him in the nose uh. <laughs> so it comes and he's like got blood and white flour. everywhere <laughs> flour everywhere <laughs> and right then this is a small town and like this is still when like everyone really like the cops were friendly and everyone knew one another right then this one cop walks in and goes like what the fuck is going on here? And he's just like, and Ronnie's just like, Coke party in the back. 
and that's still that's one of his favorite favorite stories to always tell he's just like you see that little notch on my nose like that's from that's from the coke party remember <laughs> that's hilarious oh but ratatouille it's just so it's so good so you said, uh, I think before we started recording, you, you've never been to Paris? No, I live vicariously through this movie. Yeah. It's a beautiful... That was the first... Paris was the first city I went to in, the first time I went to Europe. I started there and I did like a you know 14-city trip in like five weeks. That's amazing. Yeah, and I started there. I did like three, three nights there and it was amazing. And then last summer when uh, it was the first time Danielle and I traveled abroad together we had been to uh new orleans a couple times together and then just like other little weekend trips but she was on a trip with her girlfriends that they met a friend that lives and works in ireland now and they went to barcelona together and we left i met them in barcelona at the end of their trip and we went on and did uh san sebastian and then lisbon and then to uh paris and we stayed at her uh cousin's apartment he's a He's a flight attendant, and he has uh, an apartment in Montmartre, which is where uh, Linguini is supposed to live. It's the highest, right, most right, elevated right. Ne- neighborhood. And with that view of the Eiffel with Tower. With the view of the Eiffel Tower. And then they, but nowhere and, near the Eiffel Tower. No. But very. that's like the outskirts. That's That neighborhood is um, right... I don't know if... I th- it, it's, it's right where um, uh, Moulin Rouge is. Right. So it's funny, you just like have like, it's just all of these sex shops there and then Moulin Rouge and then you take a corner, you take a turn around this one street and you start going up, you know, then it starts getting pretty hilly and this is this most quaint little, you know, French kind of village vibe, but that's where, uh, and it has this beautiful cathedral at the top of it, but yeah, that's the most elevated neighborhood in uh, in Paris and that's where... Uh, Linguini's apartment is and I think it looks like we're also then the restaurant the Ratatouille restaurant is at the end of this right which is also just like a great I love a movie that like it clearly it's a happy ending but they are with the suspension of disbelief that's going on I love that they're not like they're like of course we had to let Skinner and the and the uh, uh, right it's a happy ending it isn't because Gusto's dies yes like it dies you know, but, but his, his legacy isn't tarnished anymore. But, so, as far as Gusto's story, right? Exactly. But let's talk about how much other movies borrow from this. I mean, think about Chef mm-hmm. with the food critic that basically ruins everything for John Favreau. Yeah, ultimately becoming an investor, and I it's t- like ego becomes an investor in Remy and Linguini. I never, for some reason, thought of it's that. what I how thought it's, about it. Like when you so you saw you saw Chef before Ratatouille, do you think? No, Chef, no? I don't think so. Chef is like 2012 or 13. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I saw Ratatouille okay. before. I saw but yeah, Chef. but like when you saw Chef, you're like, but it was like it wasn't until today when I rewatched it oh, that okay. I was like, huh, that's yeah. similar. <laughs> <laughs> it's ah, it's interesting. I don't know if it's intentional or is it. It's just Maybe, accidental. I mean, it has to be a the, bit of a... Cause they, this, I don't care. I, They're two movies that I love. Yes. And, <laughs> well, like I said, this is in the in my foodie films verse. When I was making a list of movies, this is easily in the top five of the best food films out there. It's like yeah. this, Chef, Big Night... Um, Julia and Julia, Julie and Julia, people really love. Um, 
Babette's Feast. Like, there's a couple of, like, you know, but, like, Ratatouille is definitely in, like, the top five. But yeah. I, now, now I'm going to have to, since I just watched this, I mean, I've watched Chef, so definitely more than Ratatouille. Um, I'll have to watch it again really soon just to see if there's, you know, a little bit more even, like, story beats side by side since the endings are similar. I think there is. You know, like, if you think about what this story is, like, mm-hmm. the coming of age, the talk about love, yeah. the thing with your kids, it's like there's a lot of really similar tones between the two movies. Are they vastly different? Sure they are. Of course they are. Yeah, I guess then Remy... Kind of almost being like then his like at least I mean not every obviously it's not exactly the same, but Remy in some instances is like John Favreau's son in the movie, and then the, you know like and then John Favreau is almost maybe the, but like in John Fa- in, in Chef John Favreau Favreau has his own sort of coming of age, yeah, you know, getting back to his, his roots, roots, yeah, you know, and cooking for himself again, and not cooking for. You know, critics and everything else. Yeah. You know, but even it's like there's the scene in in Chef when you know, he's talking about redoing the menu and there's a critic coming and everything else, and Dustin Hoffman's character, who I forget his name, is just like, no, you you cook the favorites. Oh yeah, exactly. And you go know, see the stones and they don't play satisfaction. There's this scene, <laughs> right? And and here there's the scene with Ego where, or it's before that. It's when you know everybody in the restaurant was it's like we know all the favorites. Give us something different. Give us the special. Yeah, he. Ma- yeah, exactly. They. Yeah, some. Yeah, they say that, and then he makes the sweetbreads. Oh, right. I love sweetbreads. They're so, so good. good. Best oh, best sweetbreads I ever had. There's this. Um, the second first cut I ever did was with uh, Chef Paul Denemiel of Les Ravage, and I think he does. It's not. I don't think it's always, but it's a pretty. Assured, given that if you go there on a Thursday, you'll they'll have sweetbreads. So the best sweetbreads I ever had was when it was a test item on the menu at Zahav Ooh. in Philadelphia. Like it wasn't even on the menu yet. I just mm-hmm. happened to go there one night, and like the server was like, "These are for free." The chef is trying <laughs> them out. <laughs> it was like, "Wow, awesome!" Yeah, and you knew what sweetbreads were before. Yeah. yeah. I did. That's one of those dishes I did not know the first time, but then I tried. Yeah, it. a decade before, I would have had no clue. Yeah, like I, I'd, I'd fallen into my foodie self. Yeah, but then like I, I found out afterwards. But I was old. And I don't remember exactly how old I was. I was definitely I was in my twenties, and I was like, oh yeah, okay, that's sure. It's it's fine that it's, it's pancreas. Yeah, pancreas. Yeah, they said something different in this film. I think it was in the dish. There was all there was like veal intestine. There's all yeah. kinds of other things because he goes in intest- this, yeah, in this sweetbread dish, and it yeah. was like when they, when they're going through the dish, it's, and I don't remember what it is. It's like why would you put all these things together? Yes, that's what confused me. Okay, yeah, it is pancreas, but then when they're reading through it, and then she's yep. trying to help him, and he's doing things, and he puts the sauce on last. Yeah, and, and it also, was you yeah. know her saying. You follow the recipe. Yeah, at the end of that, when she's showing him the ropes, that was like yeah. the last thing that she says. And because at first he's like he's taking notes or whatever, and he's uh, you know she's saying to uh, improvise, but that's what the you know that's what the gustos are meant to do. Mm-hmm. But she honors by just memorizing the recipes, all those great recipes of his. So good, so good. I like this beer, by the way. I think this beer is delicious. This is from uh, Spider Bite. They're out on Long Island. 
they've won a couple of I think like some awards and uh, as far as New York breweries recently. But I love it because it's a spider wearing a, a a beret and it's a French style saison ale. So I thought right. that was appropriate. And more uh, you know like bugs and rats and cute. and also it's like I'm a sucker for a good saison. Yeah. This bonjour. This French style saison is made with a French saison yeast, Nelson Sauvin, Sauvin hops, wheat, and Pilsner malt. Very good. It's delicious. This is delicious. There's nothing wrong with this beer. Seven percent alcohol, one pint. Delicious. I had a very when I was watching Ratatouille, I had a little bit of a moment. There was a big fly buzzing around. It was loud, and so I just like took out my fly swatter, and I'm just like. Uh, I'm like going to hit it and I had just a very surreal moment. I'm like, is this fly the next great chef and I'm about to <laughs> <laughs> The movie got to me. And so I'm like, wait, like why why am I he's just doing his own thing right now. Let me let him buzz No, but I killed him. <laughs> so he's not, I love it. But I killed him. But I killed him. He's not the next great chef. He's not a rat. He's a fly. Exactly, yeah. Rats have like little hands at he's, least. He's gonna throw up on my food. <laughs> And then eat it. <laughs> uh, anything else to say about Ratatouille? No. I think we covered everything. And our notes were so remarkably similar, it's hilarious. Yeah. I just, I'm, I like to make little, I make little stars against, yeah, cooks of sweetbreads. We learn all the positions. Anyone can cook. Oh. Oh, I love when uh, the family, yeah, we, you, you kind of said this, but when the family rescues him, and he and then he goes back. He's running back to the restaurant, mm-hmm. and the dad's like, "Why do you care?" And he's like, "Because I'm a cook." Like right. it's just that great moment of like. Ego has a great line at the very end. He says, "The new needs friends." We say that one more time. The new needs friends. Yes, and that is such a good line. That is a great line. I yep. love that. I'm writing that down because that's just like, that's perfect for any, obviously, new business and just. Yeah. Like anything. any any anything to make. I mean, you know, like I mean, in the hashtag culture that we live in of support local, and I'm not I'm not hating on this right now, but that I think even if anyone's unclear, that right there makes it even clearer. Yeah, the new needs friends. Yep, that's perfect, and that's what I. And he even has a little bit because he's you know at the end ego seems like he's a little broken and he just hasn't had that love in a while I, I had a similar thing but he does a 180 because the, one of the very last scenes is the what do you want for dirt for dessert and he says surprise, surprise me. me yeah it's so good but I had a very similar chef to me was for a while I was just like man like I haven't seen what I thought was like a good movie in a while and like good in the like in a simplistic sense because I can't say it enough but to me that movie and and this movie but like especially that movie just being live action and it is it is you know it's r-rated i think for like language or whatever but it just has such a simple enough story that it doesn't go overly dramatic and it's just there's a certain level of films that i think um has been lost these days there's that recent movie i don't know if you've seen it on uh on hulu um Palm Springs. It's with like Andy Samberg. Haven't seen it, but it's a good movie. I told you, I'm bad at movies. It's, it's, 
but so it's a, it's a Hulu like original, you know, like or like you know someone made it and then you know like Hulu bought it from them or whatever. And but it's come out during all of this, and we can't go to the movies. So like I think it's getting a. This is me hating in any kind of way. I think it's getting a little bit more love because we're just in such a drought right, right now. But at the same time, I watch it, and it's a modern take on Groundhog's Day. It's there at Palm Springs, and there's like a magical kind of cave thing, and he falls in, and then he's just reliving this day, and then someone else ends up following him into it, and one of his recurrences, and they're experiencing it together. And it's just like getting to know oneself and all, all that. It's, so it's a modern-day Groundhog story. So And they recognize it. It's a story that's been done. But it was done with with a nice little unique twist to it and was different enough and simple enough that it that falls into a category of like movies that I just don't think I get to see these days that just I mean you know pandemic aside I don't know if it would have ended up in the theater either way and it would have just become you know a streaming platform movie I had such a, a weird experience and I told you that you know I, I've recently moved into this new apartment and uh, I was out we went to the we went to the Target in North Bergen to pick up a, an electric tea kettle of all things mm-hmm. Which I've never had before, and I'm now in love with. Great. It, it's, cool. it's, yeah. Right over it's, there. <laughs> this one's a little more old-timey looking than what mm-hmm. you have, but uh, you'll see it at some point. You'll probably love it. <laughs> but uh, but we, we rode past a movie theater, and it was like, I had that moment where it was like, man, I, for somebody who never loved going to the movies, mm-hmm. like I had that moment where it was like, man, I, I miss going to the movies. Yeah. Once you I can't miss get that anymore. experience. Yeah. Like, there is, I mean, I, I definitely wasn't going to the movies as much as I used to. Like, I used to go, like, once a week, like, for a while. And that was also a point, like, after college or even during college. Like, sometimes I'd, like, that was, like, my alone time because it's, like, you know, like, going to college and sharing a room with somebody or whatever. That was, like, my little escapism. And uh, so I liked going you know, to the Pee Wee Herman got in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> What are you supposed to do with those movies? <laughs> Great thing to bring up when we're covering a, a, a children's movie. movie. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I, I used to go to the movies so much, and I wasn't going as as much recently. But still, like I love going to movies for so many different reasons, or or even like what specific movies that I'll get like a specific. You know, if it's a more blockbustery or you know action movie like that, I'm definitely like getting popcorn and a soda for. Oh yeah, I definitely fell into that whole like, I'm only going to go to the movies if I get to watch Michael Bla- Michael Bay blow some shit up. <laughs> like I'm paying for this experience. I want the full experience. You know, yeah, like, I mean the surround sound and the, the giant spe- the spectacle of it all. Like yeah, but it's like you you miss out a lot. When, when you fall into that. Because it's like, I think I might have mentioned before, the 75th anniversary of Casablanca, mm-hmm. you know, I saw on the silver screen, you know, in Times Square wow. at the Lowe's. Yeah. And it's like, that is a movie that has virtually no special effects. You know, it's, it's script-driven. It's, you know, somewhat, you know, image-driven. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like, you're not watching anything blow up. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's amazing to watch. It's a it's a it's a war movie. It is a war movie, with no well, you know. I mean, there's a few fights or whatever, but you know, yeah, with like little like to know. It's a war action. movie with no 
battle scenes. And battle scenes. Yeah. So, you, know, you don't see the war. Yeah. You hear about it. They talk about it. But uh, it's just an amazing film. And to, see, yeah, and to see those performances that are from larger-than-life people, you want that in that larger-than-life mm-hmm. atmosphere of a movie screen. I think people... For, I think people forget about that a little bit sometimes. As I mean, as do I, like, going to... It's just like, yeah, okay, I'm going to see the new Marvel movie because, like, yeah, I want to see that play out on a giant screen. But there's a lot of, yeah, smaller movies that's just, like, that I would love to... I mean, you know, like... I mean, I I always make it a point to see, like, my favorite directors, like, in theaters, whether it's a a P.T. Anderson movie or a Quentin Tarantino movie. Like, I went and I did, like, the, you know, Quentin Tarantino did the road show uh, style movie for, or showing of uh, Hateful Eight. Okay. Um, you know, it was, like, I had an intermission and stuff like that, and it just, like, that's what he wanted. And it was only at select theaters, but, like, they did it at the Garden State Plaza. Um, you know, like, I, I like to go into the, what is that, the uh, Angelica and uh, like uh, kind of the village village area, and they tend to have like a lot of like smaller like nice movies going on there. But that's yeah. I want to say the last time I did something like that, it was the Blair Witch Project. Wow! Like I went into Philadelphia at this tiny little theater where it was released and watched it. That movie scared the shit out of me. It was terrifying the first time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ratatouille, we love it. Can't recommend it enough. It's been. It was too long since I watched it for this. It's definitely a movie I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch it again really soon because it's just so good. It's so good, and it makes me really hungry for French cuisine. Yes. <laughs> well, um, I want to talk a uh, another you know food scene from a non foodie movie, and I sent it to you before you came over here, and I think it would be cool to talk the dinner scene from The Incredibles because it's another Pixar movie and it's another. Brad Bird directed the movie. I love this scene. <laughs> so good, right? It's so good because the food is so inconsequential to everything else that's going on. Let's play it and then we'll talk about yep. it. Yum, yum, yum. Mm. Uh, uh, You're making weird faces again. No, I'm not. You make weird faces, honey. You have to read at the table. Uh-huh. Yeah. Smaller bites, Dash. Yikes. Bob, could you help the carnivore cut his meat? Ow. Dash, you have something you want to tell your father about school? Uh, um, well, we dissected a frog. Dash got sent to the office again. Good, good. No, Bob, that's bad. What? Dash got sent to the office again. What? What for? Nothing. He put a tack on the teacher's chair during class. Nobody saw me. You could barely see it on the tape. They caught you on tape and you still got away with it? Whoa. You must have been booking. How fast do you think you were Bob, going? We are not encouraging this. I'm not encouraging. I'm just asking how fast you Honey! Oh, great. First a car, now I gotta pay to fix a tape. The car? What happened to the car? Here, I'm getting a new plate. <clears throat> so, how about you, Vi? How was school? Nothing to report. You've hardly touched your food. I'm not hungry for meatloaf. Well, it is leftover night. We have steak, pasta. What are you hungry for? Tony Ridinger. Shut up. Well, you are. I said shut up, you little insect. No, she is. Do not shout at the table. Honey? Kids, listen to your mother. She'd eat if we were having Tony loaf. That's it. Hey. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. 
like you said, the food is inconsequential to it. But I love it because as many of food scenes that I have discussed, it is it's it's the it's a family. It's at dinner time, and yes. this just nails what like I I definitely have had plenty of dinners with my family that. Okay, we don't have superpowers, but it gets into that dynamic of like the mom trying to wrangle everybody together. It's argumentative. Yeah. You know, you're fighting with your siblings. You know, a guest shows up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like all these things coming together. And it's like your mom just trying to keep it together to look normal. And isn't it great that each of their superpowers reflect their personalities and their roles in the family? The dad, super strength. The mom, stretching. Right. Picking up the whole pick, table. Yeah, yeah the, mm-hmm. picking up the whole table. The teenage daughter wanting to be invisible. The hyperactive younger brother. No force fields. <laughs> Just, um... It, it's like the perfect chaos of what dinner was growing up. And I love... While like the food isn't important, I love that the mom says, "Well, it's leftover night." That made me go like, "Oh yeah, le-. like I mean, I mm-hmm. definitely I'll eat leftovers now, but it's been a while since because it's not like I am cooking a home cooked meal every night, right? But when that was happening, when I was like living, you know, young and living with my family, I was like, "Oh yeah, like leftover night." Like I forgot about that. And there were certain dishes. It's like. Oh, I got stuck with that. Like, I don't want... <laughs> Just the younger brother being like... You know, she, the mom says, like, oh, we've got meatloaf. And she's like, well, I know she'd want it if it was Tony Loaf. Which is so funny because it's like, when I was a kid, I hated meatloaf. I hated meatloaf night. And now it's like, oh, it's meatloaf night? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this movie. Brad Bird, I mean, we, I, maybe, you know, talking Ratatouille, I didn't say his name enough. Brad Bird, Brad Bird, Brad Bird. Is just so terrific, has made like three of the best animated movies in the sense of The Iron Giant, Ratatouille, and The Incredibles. Yes. Just they're each beautiful. Like he really is a the director that cares about his characters and his stories and just really getting his themes across. The character development is incredible. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's amazing. It's like, why why doesn't every movie do it like this? This movie came out um I think in like 2004 and it it blew me away. I remember seeing it I was yeah, it was my senior year of high school and just the, you know, the, mind you, so it's 2004 2005. There were superhero movies out at that point in the sense of like the big ones were X-Men and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Yeah, but, it was relatively new, though. Yeah, no, they were, they were all, like, the first X-Men movie came out in 2000. So, and before that, you had your Tim Burton Batmans and mm-hmm. your and your uh, Christopher Reeve Supermans, as far as, like, the movies. And, like, little ones here and there. Was, like, the original Avengers out at that point? No, original, the first, like, the Avengers came out in 2012. Iron Man didn't come out till 2008. What am I thinking of? There was a There was a superhero movie that was remarkably bad. Fantastic Four. Oh, that was right around then. Okay. Yeah, that was right around then. You also, I mean, what were some of the other ones? I don't know. Like, I mean, Spawn was out at that point, and just like Daredevil. Boy, Spawn missed the mark. Yeah, that was a comic book that I adored as a as a kid. 
But with Brad Bird, I mean, he was a guy that worked on The Simpsons. He's just uh, watching one of the special features. He was just like, I. it was great. I don't know if I finished my thought earlier, but it was a side-by-side of Thomas Keller and Brad Bird explaining their love of their work. And it was just, it was a great job of editing the special feature because these, you know, I'm sure they were asked similar questions, but they just, the way they cut back and forth it's like oh wow yeah these guys are just all about like just so passionate their love and then just like their love of that medium and then and then making sure that it's passed on like that is their main goal is to create like a great story whether it's in a dish or in a film Mm -hmm. and then to make sure that everyone else like and thomas keller is like He's like, every time I go, anyone that's working in my kitchen, I want to look up to them. I want to be like, wow, they're doing the best at that job right now. And then Brad, same thing with Brad Bird and his animators. And I think you, I mean, I uh, haven't eaten at too many Thomas Keller restaurants. Neither have I. <laughs> haven't had the, that pleasure. Yeah. But uh, but with, with Brad Bird, I mean, clearly Thomas Keller is, I mean, an amazing chef and has gotten plenty of recognition. Uh, but Brad Bird watching his movies and even, I don't know if you ever saw the Mission Impossible he directed. It was after the, uh, it was the fourth Mission Impossible. It's called Ghost Protocol. And uh, I think I may have actually seen that It's one. the one with the really tall, I guess it's a hotel in Dubai. Yes. Yeah. Like he, the action set pieces. And that I, it was one of my, as far as even favorite things, uh, uh, Ratatouille I love the chases in that movie. They're great. There's like talk about like that like there's action in that movie, and I love the like to go. And they're back just to... as ridiculous as any other chase scene you'd see in like a blockbuster. Yeah, it's crazy. Just from jumping the vehicle, vehicle when he has sort of the one chase when he has the will and he's floating, you know, from yeah. the one boat to the other. Yeah, it, and be- like it that. becomes like a, a hand, hand glider, glider yeah. And falling down the stairs on the moped, and the moped's perfectly fine. You know that never happens in reality. <laughs> and also, you're a broken heap of a human being after that happens. <laughs> like, yeah, so it's just like he just clearly was... Because he goes, you know what, Iron, Simpsons, Iron Giant, Incredibles, Ratatouille, and then to this his first live-action Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. So it was just like he was like learning, 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 and then I would love to, I would love to hear from him just like, yeah, that step of like... You know the controlled world of animation to then like live action and trying to that that adjustment must have been crazy. It has to be, you know, to go from you know you say pen and paper, but you know ultimately computers. Yeah. To like actual you know stunt men and stunt women, stunt people. Mm-hmm. That's got to be nuts. It's got to be insane. And dealing with, like, actual real-world lighting for the first time, like you brought up earlier. Yeah. Crazy. Well, the first time I had you on, uh, since it was... It's usually... It's happened the other way before with uh, movies and then first cuts, but uh, I had you do a gut instincts questions on that. So from when I have a guest on for a second time, I just have one question. And that would be your dream dinner guest. Dream Anthony Bourdain. Like, just to be able to sit down with him yeah. and have that opportunity to pick his brain a little bit. Because I haven't traveled much. Mm-hmm. And I openly admit that, and it's something that I regret. But to be able to talk to somebody that really has. 
that's yeah. super cool. And I get a little bit of that when I talk to you and when I talk to some of my other friends that have traveled. But he was just just so influential in how I just started trying to like eat and travel. And it's unfortunate that like I don't maybe if I have specifically the CNN app or something like that, like his parts unknown and uh, why am I uh, no reservations? Like all the se- like not all the seasons are like available. I think unless you like you know like not on Hulu or Amazon or Netflix. And I just want to watch. I want to watch all of them. It, yeah, it, I'm really curious about that last season. Yeah, which I haven't seen any of. I neither have I. Yeah, because I I just didn't have I didn't have a basic cable at that time when it was being released and I just thought that yeah, at that time that. all of the seasons were on Netflix and it's like I've completely cut the cord as oh, far yeah. as like I have internet and that's it yeah so yeah I know maybe I'll just have to pur- maybe you could just like purchase the entire season or something like that that would be I feel like a worthy I feel like you can purchase anything you want to <laughs> but how much is it right <laughs> <laughs> but Bourdain yeah it was just recently in June it was uh, you know Unfortunately, he passed away. I, th- in, I forget the exact date. Maybe it's June fourth. It was. 4th or... It was when we recorded the last podcast. It was. Yeah, that was the right. That, that was the anniversary. That of was. His the, yeah, that was the day. And then his birthday is like the twenty fourth or twenty fifth of June. And so that uh, his uh, friends. Uh, oh God, why am I so bad with names right now? Eric oh, Rupert. Yeah, Eric. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Rupert? Rupert. Yeah. I want to say like Rupert. <laughs> I butcher everything. Yeah. Repair, repair. Eric Repair and uh, Jose Andres, mm-hmm. and they, uh, you know, have turned his birthday into National Bourdain Day, and I. Yeah, and I think that's appropriate. Yeah, I went to Hiram's and I had one of their hot dogs. Nice, so good. Have you been? You've been there? Oh yeah. Okay, of course. I mean, I know you've been to Donkeys, obviously. Right. That's like the. That's where you grew up. Hiram's is where I grew up. Yeah, it's like those. Those are the the episodes equivalents. I still have. There's a few places he went to in uh, Atlantic City that I haven't been to. There's that one higher in seafood restaurant that I haven't been. Same to. here. Yeah. Atlantic City is a weird place. It is. I wanted to become amazing, but like not become amazing the way things become amazing nowadays. No. Like I sort of wanted to somehow go back to like the steel pier era. And like, yeah, like because I even, my grandparents talk about Atlantic City and mm-hmm. its heyday. Yeah, and you, this would be my mother's parents, mm-hmm. and I remember them talking about like the horse that jumped off the pier and yeah. and all these other things. And it's like I don't I don't want to go back. Which to no, that. I don't I no, don't want to see a yeah. horse jumping into a no pool intended water. that wouldn't fly these days. It, it totally wouldn't. But it's like I sort of want it. I don't want it to to become great because it's been gentrified. Mm-hmm. Like I want it to become great because it's a great shore town and it has amazing beaches. Yeah, like I, exactly. Like I don't. I, clearly, it's a it's a seasonal location. So I think when people try to mimic Vegas, it's not going to ever be Vegas because Vegas. I mean, I would. I don't want to go to Vegas in the summertime because it's ungodly hot. Yeah, but they put they they miss their opportunity to be to become more Vegas like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the developers in, in Atlantic City were just like pulling money out of there during the heyday. Yeah, you know, during the the eighties, 
and I guess even the early 90s when they should have been redeveloping it and making it a family resort. Yeah. Not just this place that you go to gamble and you go to drink and you go to a strip club or whatever else it is. Because it's like, there is an amazing beach there. Yeah. The beach is incredible. It's huge. It's gorgeous. It's well kept. And it's almost an afterthought to everything else in that town. Not that I would even want this per se, but with just uh, New Jersey and its shortcomings sometimes with the ridiculous American Dream uh, mall that has now officially been like closed again or whatever, I think, because of, I mean, you know, it was open for a hot second and the pandemic hit. Right. But if that was going to be like, I have no idea why it was built in the Meadowlands, but if you really wanted that to be in Jersey, like that could be down there because it has like an internal water park. Like I feel like a bit, you know, it's too far from New York. Yeah. But you got Philly's not far from there. And I know at one point actually, I mean, it involves like cutting down, you know, like some of the Pine Barrens, but like one of the biggest airports in the country was being uh, designed to be put down there. And so I feel, you know, there's, there's certain, you know, Atlantic City is one of those cities that's like some crappy things have happened to them, but at the same time, they're their own worst enemy when it comes to certain things. Yeah. You know, because it gets, you walk like a block or two away from the boardwalk and it gets sketchy. It's dicey. Yeah. But at the same time, that's at like nighttime, but then I I went there right, actually like right before the pandemic, Daniel was covering a... uh, it was like the high school wrestling championships or whatever. And we went down there and they've got that White House submarine shop. It's so good. So good. Made sure to get that. And then... Um, what is it? The Knife and Fork? Is that what that place? Have you been there? Is that the... It's sort of like a towny restaurant. Yeah. No, I haven't been there. And it's great. But I ate at some taco place that David Chang said was like one of his favorite taco spots. It really? was good. I'm actually very surprised that he... That he loved it. But. I've spent a lot of time in Atlantic City because of, of working AC Beer Fest for the various breweries that I worked for. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I haven't been I haven't been in a while. The one, so where I went, Poncho's Mexican Taqueria, it's called. Okay. It's, right, it's right next to, um, to White House Sub. Okay, I've never been there. Um, and then, but yeah, the Doc's Oyster House is like that fancy... Uh, one of the fancy places that I think he goes, the Bourdain goes to in the Jersey episode. There's an Italian place or two that are down there that's remarkably difficult to get reservations for. Oh yeah, Violas is that, is that or Girasole is that or no? Maybe. Yeah, I, I I marked a couple. Just oh yeah, okay. I have knife, knife and fork in is one of those places. Knife and fork is great. I've yeah. never had a bad meal there. Yeah, I haven't been there. But yeah, there was a couple. Like I, I when I was going down there, I wasn't sure. And you gotta love a place that you can go to in a shore town in March, and it's just packed with locals. Yeah, that is a great sign. No, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. That's and I, I just I like going to the shore in the off seasons anyway. It's my favorite time of year. So good. Yeah, the, I think you, the, the last... places that matter are open. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I could talk to you forever about food. You know, the last thing I kind of, I, I, uh, I'd be remiss if we, we didn't bring it up. Because of this movie, I, I asked you if you had any of, uh, if you could think of any of your favorite meals. If you have, uh, like mine, 
I would definitely go with uh, how I said I had the sweetbreads at Le Ravage. Also, when I was in Paris, uh, in Montmartre, there's this restaurant, um, uh, Virage Le Pie, it's called, and the uh, foie gras there was just like the best. Just, it's so good. So good. But then I think of then meals that I've had, like, uh, here in the States, like Franklin's Barbecue in Austin or uh, down New Orleans, this place, Giacomo's, they make this alligator mm. cheesecake, it's called. So good. So I had this jerk chicken when I was in St. Lucia. Ooh. And it's like jerk chicken is a Jamaican thing. Yeah. You know, but it was like the woman that was working in this kitchen happened to be Jamaican and working at this resort that I was at. And it was insanely good. And the banana bread there was 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 ridiculous and it's funny that i mentioned that like i'm not going to say coming out of the pandemic but it's like when we were all sheltering in place there was a million banana bread recipes all over everywhere it's like everybody was making banana bread it's like everybody rushed to the rushed to a grocery store found it completely picked over with the exception of bananas and they made (laughs) banana bread which was super cool in a way but also got super sick of banana bread so the bananas in St. Lucia are very different. They're much, much smaller. They all go to England for the most part because it, they're a protectorate of, of England. Mm. And they have a very different sort of honey-like characteristic that our bananas don't. Our bananas tend to be a little bit more starchy than these. So the banana bread is out of this world. It's like I think I ate about a loaf of banana bread a day. I've never been to St. Lucia. i got to go. But if I were to frame it in terms of ratatouille and ego tasting ratatouille and instantly oh, being drawn back to like a memory from childhood it's welsh rabbit Ooh. welsh rabbit yeah my grandmother made it and it was made with like government cheese because <laughs> we were poor people boy yeah but man. it was like i can like if i take a bite of that and it's it's toast and cheese Obviously, it's a cheese sauce. It's mm-hmm. a little more complex than that, you know. But there's there's something about it, and it's like you taste it, and it's like I am eight years old sitting at my grandmother's table. Yeah, there's for me, it'd probably be a dish like that, like pork chops, just like a lot of butter and like thinly sliced onions. That and uh, some. Um, baked cauliflower there's something about that that dish and then like my grandma would make it was a dish of my grandmother's and whatever like you know lighter brown gravy that she made for that with I don't know whatever oh and TV dinners (laughs) when I was a kid we used to have TV dinner night yeah it was the only time we ate in the living room Uh, like every other time we sat at the kitchen table and Mm -hmm. everybody had dinner at at the table yeah but it was like every once in a while we would have TV dinner night. And it's like, man, I, I will take a Swanson TV dinner with fried chicken in it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so chicken. terrible. But, so but it's good. so good on that like, nostalgia level. Yeah. It's and amazing. It's, and that's what it is. It's amazing what food, the power of food and power of memory. Then. But think about like everything that goes into, to, into food. You know, it's a taste. It's a smell. It's a, it's a feel. It's a textural thing. Well, even, but even yeah, right now, we're drinking from uh, Departed Souls, the amazing brewery you work at. The you know, it's the started from the bottom now in beer. Yeah, and I describe this beer as beer. 
you know, you take a sip of it and you're like, oh yeah, this is this is what beer tastes like because it's the first few times you had beer, this is what it tastes like. Yeah. And just that and that the memory that comes along with that. Yep. Some good, some bad. Yeah. <laughs> if it's the first the first taste. This yeah. is good, obviously. It's a well made lager. Yeah. No, which is even more and more like I'm I am going back to I love my sours, but like I've been going more more and more back just to like I want something like simple and tasty we did a homebrew contest with uh, the Jersey City Brew Club and it was it was so much fun to do because I haven't judged homebrew in a, in a remarkably long time and it was a fun contest because everybody or and the paying members of the Jersey City Brew Club all submitted their their entries and we judged them and we picked the top three and we're going to let the winner brew that system on our pilot system with the ultimate goal of it scaling up to mm-hmm. the to the big system. So it's like I love this contest because it's like when I was home brewing, I wanted somebody to offer me that. Yeah, like I wanted that just the chance of of brewing on having my having a beer that I created in my kitchen be brewed professionally was like I couldn't think of a better outcome. You're the, in that you're the Remy in that situation, right? Exactly, yeah. and um, but to sit there and, and and judge it and to go through it and it was it was difficult because there, there there were beers that you're just like this this isn't my thing, yeah. But you want to try to talk positively about it because you don't want to be like this is terrible, move on, yeah. Um, but it's like there were a handful of beers that were just outstanding. And it's like one was an imperial stout, one was a goza with. It was a goza rita, mm. so it was a goza that was meant to taste sort of like a margarita, Ooh. which which that beer was phenomenal, and also uh, a wee heavy, a Scottish ale, just a big Scottish ale, that was so well done. Awesome, that's yeah, and it like, it's it's like one of those things that brings you back to. Why you got started doing what you're doing in the first place. Like yeah. this, the, the whole experiment for me. It was just like, it made me miss homebrewing. Even though I hate homebrewing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just makes you think of those early days of experimenting. Yeah. You know, like, and just like, and like in Ratatouille, his discovery of flavors or just... You know, uh, I was watching a thing of Pat Oswalt just doing an interview for it, and they're like, "Oh, do you like to cook?" And he's like, "Yeah, I like to cook. I'm not good at it, but like, I like to do it until I get to a point where I'm like, this is I enjoy this, and this is you know, and someone else enjoys it as well. And that's just what I, I love. I love cooking at home. I love that's what tonight I'm gonna. Daniel's working late, so I'm gonna have to figure out what to cook. And I, I some people are like, oh, I gotta cook tonight. It's like, oh, I get to cook tonight. Okay. I offered to cook tonight. I think I've I think I've been overruled. Uh, I think there's going to be a more like up shopping for stuff and then just getting Taco Bell, which I'm also <laughs> very good with. Like I have no problem with that. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming back on, Brent. This was this was really fun. I always love talking thank you, with man. you. And this was this was uh, a movie I was really looking forward to talking with. And then when you. Uh, you know, brought it up and even I, I know I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I want to do an episode on chef just because it's it's chef it almost has to be you need like multiple guests multiple guests and because then my, it's like 
and then I it's almost I've, it's about to be two years or at the point maybe of releasing this it might be just about like it's been two years since I started doing uh, foodie films and I almost regret like a friend of mine said like oh you should just cover it once a year I'm like oh I should have done that from the beginning but like I could start now yeah you can so because it's like my take on chef is going to be very different than somebody else's take on chef yeah and then I would love to do maybe like after like I cover X amount of times and have like a big round table of like everyone just sharing their thoughts or something like that. So I still That'd be great. Yeah. But this was excellent to talk about with you. And uh, so just like last time, if you can remind the foodies that there's more to cut. You know, there is more to cut. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy. Such a sweet thing, good enough to